What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA Show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Off the Pike, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of this episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome into Off the Pike. I'm Brian Barrett after the Patriots get clobbered today by the New Orleans Saints. 34 to nothing at home. We'll chat with three-time Super Bowl champ James White about that in just a little bit. And I did want to be at least somewhat positive today. So the Celtics, of course, played their first preseason game. I want to have a little bit of a look at Peyton Pritchard and the fact that the Celtics decided to extend him, which I think is a good move. We'll get into that. And just some takeaways from the first preseason action that we finally get to see the Celtics team on the court together. So we'll do that. Coming up next, though, James White also joined us for part of our FanDuel TV show, The Local Angle, which airs every Monday at 10 a.m. So that's the first thing you'll hear. Then we'll chat a little bit more with James about this game, and then we'll get into the Celtics. I'm Brian Barrett from Off the Pike, and joining us now, three-time Super Bowl champ James White. It feels like we are a long time away, James, from when you guys won three Super Bowls as the <laughs> Patriots suffer a 34 to nothing loss at the hands of of the New Orleans Saints. We had a lot of questions after the loss last week, and now you have this loss where you're hoping this team could respond. Jay Glazer, prior to the game, was saying that the Patriots wanted to see more from Mack. It's not that they wanted to bench him, but they wanted to see more from their quarterback. They clearly didn't do that, but this really does feel like, James, for an organization that has been so successful for so long, it feels like rock bottom. There's no other way to sugarcoat this thing. It's really bad right now. Yes, it's definitely bad. It's definitely hard to watch. You know, I'm sure as a as a fan, you know, as a former player, and like I said, for the players currently, and I'm sure for Bill Belichick, because they, I know coming to the year, I'm sure they were expecting to have, you know, an improved season based off how they performed last year. Defense played really good. Offense, offensively, they didn't. You just thought, you know, with Bill O'Brien coming in, you know, Mac, you know, after last year, we thought we were going to see some sort of, you know, Maybe not the most explosive offense in the NFL, but you know a little bit more explosive plays, a little bit more consistency, a little bit more edge. We quite, you know, haven't seen that yet, and just 
just no rhythm offensively whatsoever. I think on defense, I think they're fine, even with, you know, Gonzalez going down, Judon going down. They didn't, you know, get all the sacks and all that stuff, but they played decently today. They didn't they didn't play terrible and they played pretty well kind of all year long. Just offensively, it just seems like there's no I wouldn't say there's no want to, but it like feel like they're not playing with an edge and with no intensity whatsoever. Like and I think it starts at the line of scrimmage and I think they've probably lost that battle almost every single week that they've played and dig themselves in the hole, being down 14-0, 16-0, 21-0, whatever it is. Like, can't dig yourself in a hole every single week in the NFL. You're not going to win many football games, especially when, you know, you're giving up touchdowns to the defense when you're on offense. That, I mean, I don't know what the percentages are, but when you score a defensive touchdown, I'm sure that heightens the, you know, other team's chance to win by by a lot. So, like I said, it's, it's hard. They're in a tough spot right now. Like I said, there's, I mean, there's a lot of teams still trying to figure it out. Like, I'm not saying there's still a lot to play for in a sense, but just the way that we've seen them play so far, it's just kind of hard to see when they're going to ever turn that corner. And like I said, I think it just starts up front for me. I think everybody just has to hold themselves you know, a little bit more accountable, has to be a little bit more want to. Just playing with an edge, see, seeing some energy from the offense. I haven't seen energy from this offense all year long, like whatever it is. Like, I mean, maybe aside from KB, I mean, we we know he brings the energy when he makes plays or something like that, but shouldn't have to rely upon, you know, one player to, you know, make a first down and like, all right, here we go. Like, like coming to the game with like a little bit of confidence, a little bit of juice. Like obviously, you know, Mac doesn't quite have it yet because, you know, he struggled a little bit. And I said, nobody else on the offense quite has it because I said they haven't had any consistency whatsoever. So I don't know. I don't think it's just an X and O thing. I don't think it, I think it's just everybody just wanted it just a little bit more. Well, even like they're trying to put together a drive at the end of the first half and Mac ends up getting sacked twice in a row. And on the first sack, you have Vidarian Lowe, who the team and no disrespect to Vidarian yeah, Lowe, yeah. but the team traded for him on August the 28th because you had an injury to Riley Reef. You gave up a six round pick from and he's trying to block Cam Jordan. And I know Cam Jordan isn't the same guy that he was maybe three, four years ago, where he was one of the best pass rushers in the league for, what, probably like a six, seven, eight-year period. Yeah, but that's just where player, this team yeah. is at from a personnel perspective. It's a real issue right now. And you think about third down. They were that's one 14. for 14. Like, that almost seems made up. It's almost impossible. They came into the game, like, below average. But the Jets were last in the NFL entering this week at 26.5%. So they were at least converting on a quarter of their third downs, which is very, very bad. The Patriots were one of 14 in this game. And the issue to me is they don't really, at this point, do anything well. Again, they struggle running the football, right? They're on the year, they're 27th in yards per carry at 3.4. So that's been an issue for them all season long. Ramondre Stevenson has gone from a guy that was north of five yards per carry to south of three yards per carry this year. And I do think like what, the big issue right now to me is... There's a personnel issue on this team from a talent perspective, especially with the weapons. But secondarily, the quarterback just, he's got to be better. I mean, James, you think about this. This is year three. He's supposed to be taking a step forward. If you go back to last season, he had back-to-back games with a passer rating north of 100. And he did that against the Vikings on Thanksgiving. Since that point, he has one game where he's had a passer rating north of 100. The whole time. That's 11 games. And... During that time, he just had back-to-back games Mac did with a passer rating south of 40. During that th- these two games, he's had a lost fumble and a pick six in each of them. And again, today, 
the second pick, the Montgomery one, obviously that's yeah. not his fault. But the first one, you got to get rid of the football. He admitted this week that at times he tries to do too much. And I just wonder, like, you look at the teams they've beaten during this 3-8 and eight stretch going back to last season. The only games they won is Kyler Murray goes down, so it's McCoy. Then you have Zach Wilson in one of those games, which enough said, it's Zach Wilson. And then the other game, Tua didn't play, so it was Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson. And I just wonder right now, when you look at the quarterback, how much confidence this team can have in him going forward. This is now back-to-back games that they've pulled him. Now, Zappi didn't do anything to impress you, right? I mean, he completely overthrew Gasicki, yeah. and then he was nowhere close to Bourne. So it does feel like Mac is the better option than Zappi. But maybe that says even more about where Zappi's at right now than how much Mac's struggled. Because... Right now, Max played like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, and that's not even like hot takey. That's just it's yeah. been bad. Yeah, I think Mac obviously hasn't performed well, but I think it's it's more than just Mac. And obviously, Mac's not helping himself <clears throat> even on the like the interception. Probably just take the sack there because even if you know the, the guy wasn't there, he was about to throw that pass. You know, Tyron Matthew was standing right there, so it was a a good chance of an interception. You know, kind of anyway. So for myself, I just feel like I say. Seem like he doesn't trust, you know, the line in front of him because even when they do protect, you can still he still has happy feet. He's kind of escaping the pocket. He just doesn't, you know, quite seem comfortable. And like I said, if you're offensive line quarterback aren't on the same page, it's kind of hard to you know drop back and throw the football. They tried to mix the the play action in there early on in the football game, but I said there was some some good coverage because like the guys weren't open or he made like a little bit of an errant throw because guys may not have been creating. You know that much separation, so I said it's kind of hard to just figure. You know, one thing for the issue, Mac definitely has to play better. But to me, it's it's more than just him. Like when, like towards the end of the game, when when Zappy was coming, everybody's like, "Chance Zappy." I'm like, it's it's more than it's more than just a quarterback. Like Zapp's not gonna yeah. come in here. And then all of a sudden, you know, they start you know getting down the field and scoring touchdowns. Like like at that point, obviously the game was already. You know, in the Saints' hands, so maybe guys are creating a little bit more separation at that point. And then, obviously, he made some errand throws coming to the game. I think Zap is – I think he could potentially be a good quarterback in this league, but I don't think he's the better option than, than Mac Jones at this point. But at the same time, if Mac can't protect the football, if he can't, you know, get out of his own way, I said it becomes a conversation, of course, because like even if – you got you want to win football games. Bill Belichick – like no matter what their record is, no matter what they're performing, like right now, he wants to win football games. He's not just gonna lay down and just say, "Okay, we're we're fine with winning one game throughout the year." I'm I'm, I'm okay with that. He, he's never gonna be okay with that. He wants to go out there, be competitive, and play hard every single day. Limit the mistakes. And offensively, I said they just it's just I don't know. Like even when there's even when there's turnovers, just like everybody's like, oh, "Well, it's like all right, let let's go to the sideline and come back out, try it again." Like it's just so lethargic like on the offensive side of things and you're right it looks lifeless (laughs) to me james and like you start to think about it it's almost at this point and i'm not saying the guys actually feel like this when they're playing but watching from afar like when we're watching these games it feels like something bad's always going to (laughs) happen and that's because it has over the past couple of weeks you think about back to the dallas game you have the fumble six and then you look at this game you have the pick six you have the fumble six against dallas too by the way dallas had the two-point conversion on one of them So if you go back to the last 10 quarters, going back to the second half against the Jets, the Patriots defense has scored two points. The Patriots offense has scored three (laughs) points. And the opponent's defense has scored 22 points against the Patriots. And then we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, these leads, right? 16-0, they fall behind against the Eagles. 
It's what, 17 to 3 against the Dolphins, yeah. 28 to 3, which that number means a lot here, but not <laughs> yeah. for that game. 21 to nothing, right? Against the Saints today. Right away, you're down 21 to nothing. You can't come back if you're the Patriots. And then I think about just throughout the game early on when they had opportunities on third down. Twice in a row, Max just throwing it up like a jump ball to Devontae Parker. Like third down, that's where like we, yes. we hear, remember, oh, Brady's going to dump it off to you or <laughs> Brady's going to throw the ball to Edelman before you. It was like Wes Welker. All these guys that could catch the ball to the backfield. Like you don't have to be throwing the ball 15, 20 yards down the field. And I do wonder this too. What advantage have they really gained from Bill O'Brien? And I'm not saying that he's yeah. like Matt Patricia is better than him. Obviously, I would never say that. But what advantage has Bill O'Brien really brought to the team? Now, maybe part of it is the biggest part is personnel. Yeah. Secondarily, his team keeps falling behind. But it's kind of on him that his team was averaging 1.5 points per game in the first quarter prior to today, which was 27th in the NFL. And another goose egg today and another goose egg for the entire yeah. game. I mean, kind of what you were talking about earlier. Like, they're not good at pretty much anything right now. So the offensive coordinator is like, what do you call? Who do you go to? Like <laughs> on, a, on a third down situation where we're not completing passes on first or second down, you're getting third and eight, third and nine. Like obviously he has, you know, game plan plays based on what defenses are, you know, scheming up and whatnot. But I said right now they don't have like KB's making plays every now and then, but they don't have a guy like a, a Edelman or a Gronk who, you know, they have a play designed up for on third down where, you have pretty much the confidence where they can convert on any third down situation. They don't necessarily have that right now. They don't have, you know, maybe go-to plays that they've, you know, ran since week one that they can count count on and, you know, run every single week when you get man-to-man coverage. I mean, so you're going to have plays that carry over all year long. And, you know, when I was playing, like, we carried, we carried a lot of those same plays. You may switch them up a little bit, but it's essentially the same thing that you have carry over every single week. They don't – they probably don't have those plays right now because not much has been working. So – I understand what you're saying about like Bill O'Brien. I don't. I don't know what the issue is either. But it, it's got to be hard as a coach when you know nothing's working <laughs> based on what you're calling. Maybe it's working during practice. Guys aren't you know creating the separation or doing the right things during the game. I said uh, Juju has yet to really get involved. You know, you know Pop Douglas has been like the the best thing for them. I know he went down today. Like he's the only one who's really getting behind the defense. Maybe his, his zone coverage, what he's doing, but he's finding you know spots in the zone. No Hunter. You know, got behind the defense a little bit, you know, later in the game, but it's just been just very, very inconsistent. I don't know where they don't know, you know, what's the best. I don't even know what's the best personnel group they use right now. I don't know whether it's 11, 12. I thought we'd see more of, you know, Gasecki and uh, Hunter Henry on the field a little bit more. You may maybe create some problems for defense in the passing game and run that, run the ball out of that. I thought we see a lot more of that this year, but we haven't quite seen that just yet. So, I don't know. I just got to, you know, really get back to the drawing board and find out what they potentially think can work for them. Because obviously, you know, what they've done so far, you almost want to like scrap it because I said not much, not much is getting done out there. It is ugly in Fox Bar right now. That's for sure. Welcome back into Off the Pike. Now back to the pod portion of the program here as... We'll pick it up where we're just talking about the Bill O'Brien situation. Also, it's going to be difficult, James, when Bill O'Brien was with the Patriots and having all this success. It's when he had Rob Gronkowski and he had Tom Brady. And then he goes to Houston. He gets this guy by the name of DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like one of the best receivers in the NFL. And he comes from Alabama where you got a bunch of guys that are (laughs) first round receivers. And you look at this team. I really do feel like the biggest issue kind of going back to what we've been talking about, the offense. The quarterback has not been good. That's 
I, you can't even argue to the contrary. Like he has not been good, but the whole team has not been good from an offensive perspective. Like you can't even point out at one guy and say he's been really good. On when he was dealing with an injury, it felt like again today, but he was bad last week and he's been like your most consistent offensive lineman. I guess David Andrews has been yeah, pretty good. Trent Brown got blown by today yeah. for a sack. Vidarian Lowe certainly hasn't yeah. given you much and I feel bad for him. He's overtaxed as a starting tackle, it feels like. And then you think about guys like Cole Strange is hurt again. Like he he hasn't really been on the field this year for the Patriots and that's a guy, that's a high investment you made in terms of a first round pick on a guard that you were expecting to give you big things. And then from a weapons perspective, the other thing I point to is Mac doesn't have the guy that he knows to, hey, third down, I'm going to this guy. And I do wonder, mm-hmm. you brought up Juju Smith-Schuster had to go out of this game today, but it did feel like Jacoby Myers was that guy yeah. for Mac Jones over the past few years. Yeah. He'd been their leading receiver. And I know Devin McCourty said he was surprised yeah. when they didn't bring back Jacoby and they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. It feels like to me, like anything that sort of went well for Mac in 2021, all those elements are like not really there anymore. The stuff they were doing well, like that season, it was a great running game, right? Yeah. And you had a really good receiver in Jacoby Myers, like all that stuff was clicking and now none of it's there. Yeah, uh, definitely be nice to have <laughs> Jacoby Myers, you know, at this point right now. I definitely thought it was strange for them to let him walk, but the yeah, injuries are starting to pile up. Like I said, shuffling the offensive line. Said said it was going to be an issue early in the year when you're shuffling the offensive line lineups all throughout years is never, you know, going to be a good result of protecting the quarterback. I said, I, they just got to find a way to get the running game going. Take some of the pressure off of Mac. I just feel like there's been a lot of, a lot of drop backs for him. Obviously they've been trailing by a lot, you know, all year long. If they can find a way to run the ball, get a lead, you know, allow for Mac to, you know, get those play action passes, you know, get, make the linebackers commit, step up, get those easy throws, build the confidence that way. I feel like that will, help this team. They haven't, well, the only game they played from ahead is, what, the Jet game? I mean, other than that, I mean, yeah. they weren't ahead by that much either. Jets were working their way back into that game. So, if they could ever find a way to start fast, which I'm sure they emphasize in the building, you know, every single week, protect the football, start fast. And then I think we'll, I think we still haven't even really seen, you know, what the potential of this, this offense could possibly be because they're just trailing every single game, turn the ball over every single yeah. game. So, for me, Whenever they go out there and jump out to a lead or, you know, go go start off 7-0, then I feel like I'll get a true feel of what this offense truly is. And if they're going to turn the ball over, give up defensive touchdowns, you know, trail every single week, but like you'll never really see, you know, what this offense is truly supposed to be like. Because like I said, you're going down 14-0, 21-0. I say you scrap your whole, you know, play sheet as an offensive coordinator. You start just kind of trying to find things that you can run to try and make a play. I said, I think it just all starts with with effort and intensity from the offensive side of things. Forget, you know, X's and O's. At the end of the day, you're going to have to beat the man in front of you, block the man in front of you, winning one-on-one routes, no matter, you know, what the, you know, coach can't draw up a double stunner goal, you know, double comeback every single play. At the end of the day, eventually you're just going to have to, they're going to know what route you're running. You're still going to have to go out there and try and beat them. So I think that's just what it comes down to. Everybody just, you know, taking that burden when it's on you. You got the one-on-one blocking the defensive tackle as a left guard on third down. You got to own up to it. You got to hold up enough to allow Mac to win, uh, allow Mac to throw the football down the field. You have one-on-one on the backside. You know, Devontae Park, you got one-on-one on a fade route. Mac's going to trust to throw the ball up to you, go up there and make a play. You may be covered. Try and go up there and make a play. I think he's got to buy in, trust one another, just find a way to get this thing going because, obviously, losing sucks. I mean – 
obviously I was fortunate enough to be on a lot of teams that we won a lot of football games, but you know, the yeah. <laughs> the one year where we weren't that great, that year sucked. I mean, coming coming to the building every day, you know, knowing that you weren't really, you know, playing for much, you just, you know, kind of going about day to day business. It's it's not quite as fun as going out there, you know, coming back, making the corrections after a win and knowing you're playing for something, you know, going forward. It's is the workplace isn't as fun walking into that building. Um I just gotta turn things around, you know, really quickly. I'm not sure if it's Obviously, a lot of the owners is probably going to be on like Slate and Andrews because they've been, you know, in the organization for the longest. But I said those younger guys got to be accountable. Everybody has to just find a way to buy in a little bit more. Yeah, well, to that point about the buy in factor, like last year we saw the Monday night game where they pulled Mac after three series. And Bill said after the game that it was like sort of pre-planned, although it felt like a lot of the players didn't know maybe Mac and Zappy knew but a lot of the players didn't know because they talked about it after the game like Jacoby even said something about it like I, I didn't do it so I, I was kind of surprised <laughs> whatever his quote was like you kind of paraphrasing what he said but the reason I bring that up again is the past two games going back to where we started with Mac Bill pulled him in the last game against the Cowboys and you can understand why but then he pulled him again today and when he pulled him today it was after the Montgomery the interception where he threw it to Montgomery and I didn't feel like that was yeah. Mac's fault. Now, I don't have an issue if Bill wants to pull Mac from the game and give Zappy an opportunity. My guess would be that he was hoping to get a spark from Zappy. Yeah, <laughs> Zappy yeah. gave him I the mean, opposite. I mean, he had some of the worst throws you'll yeah, see, like the overthrow yeah. to Bourne. I don't know if he's too fired <laughs> up, but I mean, he's supposed to be a guy that's supposed to be accurate, right? And he was just completely inaccurate. But the only time really that you had any sort of controversy would be the Cam Newton year where at the end of the season, people were asking like, hey, should Jared Stidham play? Yeah. And Bill like really defended yeah. Cam. He came out and he said, no, Cam's our quarterback. And in this particular case, over the past few years, we haven't seen that same sort of defense of Mac Jones to the point where it's like, we know that Mac's going to be the start of the rest of the year. Because even if people thought, I'm not saying in the locker room, but outside of it, hey, maybe give Stidham a chance at the end of the season when you're eliminated from playoff contention to see if he's any good. Now, we would all find out probably that he wasn't going to be a starter going forward, obviously. But my point with that is just, do you think that it's tough for the guys in the locker room who see Mac going into work every day, at least putting in the effort? Now, obviously, the, yeah. the mistakes are the mistakes and the performance is the performance. But do you think that, and especially when you hear the crowd again, yeah. like we heard it against Chicago and we heard it today where the crowd's chanting for Zappy, like, is this a situation that could be tough for the locker room to deal with when the coach is sending messages that maybe Mac isn't the guy? No, I don't think so. I think... I know from the time when I was there, Max is a guy who's going to put in the work. He's going to, you know, stay the extra time. He's going to meet with the receivers, you know, throw a little bit extra at the practice, whatever it is to try and, you know, get things right. So from that standpoint, I think, you know, everybody offensively still probably trusts and believes that he can go out there and get it done. Like I said, I think, I mean, I don't know from, from last year and all that stuff that went on, but I, maybe there's some guys that prefer Zap over Mac. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not there, but, I think Bill's gonna ride with Mac as long as he as long as he doesn't continue to turn the football over. But I, I still think he just gives him the best opportunity. I, I just hope he turns it around. Cause I I said I think he's a good quarterback. I think he should be a starting quarterback in this league, but it's it's all a confidence thing. And just like I said, gotta stand in there and just try and make the throws. If there's nothing there, just take the sack. I think that just has to be his approach for the rest of the year. And just don't try and create, don't try and force things. Cause obviously it, it hasn't worked and I don't think it's going to work, you know, going forward until you can trust your offensive line to block for you 
and then trust your receivers to get open or, you know, you throw them over, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, I say just just live the fight another play, take the punt, and hopefully your defense goes out there and make a stop. You give yourself a better chance because, like he's seen, you try and force things, turns into turnovers, turns into defensive touchdowns. Then you're down 16-0, you're down 21-0. Then you're never going to be in the rhythm. You're Now you have, you know, backup linemen playing in there for your for your guards, you putting them in, putting them in a tough situation, having to, you know, you know, pass block every single play. That's that's not what you want to do. But like I like I said earlier, is that run game? They got to get Zeke going, get Ramondre going. You know, get those tight ends going and those play action crossers, get them those easy catches and all that stuff. I think that's going to be huge for them. Whether it's even maybe like RPOs, whatever it is, getting them some easy throws that way, just getting the ball to whatever Juju, getting the ball to KB, getting the ball to Pop Douglas. Let them do some of the work. Take some of the pressure off of, off the offensive line. I think we haven't quite seen that, you know, the last couple of weeks. I think they did a little bit earlier in the year, but, you know, try and create those situations as well. Yeah, and I think to your point, the RPO game, we've never really seen it this year. Mac has not had a lot, thrown a lot out of RPOs, which everybody thought Bill O'Brien was going to, like, that was the big talking point this yeah. summer, right? Bill O'Brien's coming from Alabama, RPO heavy offense. Mac, nearly 20% of his passing attempts at Alabama were out of RPOs, whereas that it hasn't been part of the offense. But in terms of the receiving core and the personnel, now they're still waiting to get Tyquan Thornton back. He's like the one guy on this team that could legitimately stretch the field, even though he got off to a slow start last season because he was coming back from an injury as well. So hopefully they can get back him in the fold at some point and involve him. Maybe he can bring some sort of explosiveness to the offense because they desperately need it. But I, I almost wonder too, like... If it hurts them that they don't really have a pecking order, and maybe that part of that is just they don't know, right? Because it's like, all right, one game, it's like you're throwing it to Devontae Parker a lot. The opening game, you're throwing it to Bourne a lot. Now, they started throwing the ball to Bourne again in this game, like in the second half, but they weren't earlier on in the game, right? Mario Douglas was involved a little bit. I just wonder if they need to just like figure out who are our best players. And let's just throw like this sounds incredibly (laughs) simplistic, James. But here are our best players. We think that Kendrick Bourne is our best receiver, or we think that Demario Douglas, whoever they think it is, and we're going to throw the ball to him a lot, or we're going to throw to this guy a lot. We're not going to throw to this guy a lot. Like, I I just feel like it's like they almost feel like they have so many guys that they want to involve. And I just feel like maybe they need to simplify it. Maybe you don't need all these guys to play as much as they are. Like, do you really need Douglas, Bourne, and then... Juju's involved, and I know they paid him a lot of money, but he unfortunately dealing with an injury now, but... What what has Juju brought this yeah. team, right? Like, wh- I just don't I don't know how you justify right now playing Juju over some of the other guys that have actually shown, like, every receiver. Like, Kendrick Bourne has at least shown signs this year. Demario Douglas has shown signs this year. And I get it. They're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with injuries now. Douglas left and Juju left. But I feel like, all right, I know Juju's making money, but maybe you don't involve him so much, right? Maybe you don't involve Gasecki as much. Maybe you just play one tight end and play... Hunter Henry, like, I just feel like they should feature their best players more like we see across the league. Maybe the answer is they don't know who their best players are. That could yeah, be it. I don't I know. Think it could be them just trying to figure it out. But I think that could be a thing. Just, you know, find your your three receivers that you're going to stick with on, you know, whatever it is, 70% of the snaps and just ride with those guys until you kind of figure out, you know, which guy's going to stay in there, which guys aren't, you know, whether it's, you know, Devontae, you know, K- KB, and Juju, whether those are going to be your three receivers with Hunter Henry on the field, Ramondre and Zeke rotating, and just let those guys kind of figure out, build chemistry with Mac, and hopefully the offensive line protects, because I think it's all about repetitions and chemistry, and right now they have no chemistry, <laughs> it just seems like, in, in the game at least, whatsoever. So I think the more 
probably the same guys are on the field. Like I said, from offensive line going on back, the more those guys are on the field together, maybe the more chemistry they build, maybe the better off they build. Remember that maybe that's the better off they'll be and they'll gel a little bit more, hopefully. But yeah, I think I think that may be a, a valid point. It, like I said, when you don't have um, like a veteran quarterback back there who's you know had the same kind of weapons or a guy who's just like that extremely talented to just get the ball to all those guys and spread it around. You know, maybe he just needs, you know, his three, four guys that he truly trusts out there as much as possible. And just, like I said, let him just try and spread the ball around that way. And I said, for me, I said the run game is something that's always benefited. It benefits every single quarterback when it's there. So if they can create something, just something there, because this, I said the jet game, they had like a little bit of it, but if they can just create something out of that run game. And I think a big part of it is just falling behind, obviously can't really I mean you can't run the football but you're trailing 16-0 turn the ball over it's hard to hard to do that but if they the chemistry just has to it has to pick up fast like I said like Juju's in there to start the game then you don't really see him for a couple series and he's back in there and Pop Douglas is in there for a play I mean you're gonna have plays that you scheme up for certain people obviously you know Pop's a rookie so they'll probably have you know two or three plays schemed up for him you know, on third down or whatever it is, just to, to get him involved and get his feet wet. But I think they should throw out whatever. their three receivers. I think Juju, KB, Devontae, Hunter Henry, and then just go from there. Yeah, do you think <laughs> – yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I know it sounds simple, but yeah. that's what I think. I, I think they should just, like, feature their best players and see what they can get out of it. I mean, it's not like the number one receivers we yeah. see a lot across the league. But – with Mac, do you think he's pressing? Because even like the pitch, yeah. right, to Ramondre, it's like way behind him. <laughs> and then the interception, I felt like we we referenced that one a little bit earlier, but he's just kind of holding onto the ball, trying to create something. We saw that those same type of mistakes against Dallas. So is it just one of these? Do you think he's feeling like the external pressure where it's like, hey, like yeah. this is yeah. <laughs> the team's going to make a decision yeah. on him after the season. Are we picking up his fifth year option? Is Mac going to be the quarterback of the team in 2024? Yeah. Like, he's obviously a human being. I got to imagine, like, this stuff's factoring in. I'm wondering if that is, and I'm not saying that he, the, like, you shouldn't blame the yeah. mistakes he's making on the quarterback himself, but I wonder if those external factors are there because he's legitimately been one of the most yeah. turnover-prone players in the NFL, which is, I mean, going back, Mike Reese had a stat today, going back to 2021, he's now tied with Matthew Stafford for the most pick sixes in the NFL, and the difference between Mac and Matt Stafford is you don't have the upside yeah. on the other side of things, right? Where Stafford's like, oh, okay, I threw a pick yeah. six. Yeah. Now I'm going to go throw for 300 yards the rest of the game, right? <laughs> like we, we know how good that guy can be. So I don't know, man. I just, I, I, I worry about Mac from a confidence perspective because, I mean, you can see like today, and I totally understand why you would look this way, but he just yeah. looked dejected. He, he's definitely feeling some of that that outside pressure. And I think most of it all stems from from last year. I know coming into this year, like I said, new offensive coordinator, all that stuff. I think he was really trying to prove himself. And like I said, that can sometimes lead to you forcing things and lead to you trying to create a little too much when there's something that's not there. And like I said, I think the offensive line hasn't helped that situation since once he feels a little bit of pressure, it, it may even stem from the game before. Like I think the pressure – you know, that he kind of was feeling today stemmed from last week. He was like, okay, I got two seconds. If, you know, if guy's not open, then I got to, I kind of got to move when that's, you don't necessarily have to do that. You can stand in there a little bit longer, you know, whatever, throw it away and, or just stand in there and try and make a throw. So for me, I just feel like he just has to stand in there in the pocket, you know, embrace that, you know, 
feel the rush. There's nothing there, whatever. Just take the sack, throw it away, that type of thing. I just feel like whenever he like kind of starts veering outside of that pocket, that's when some of those bad things happen. Even, like I said, on the, the interception, the pick six today, like I said, just take the sack in that situation. Even if even if you possibly got the ball to Hunter right there, the guy was like right on his back. There wasn't going to be a first down in that situation, and we were backed up. So I said, just got to be make some smarter decisions. But, yeah, it's hard to kind of avoid – you know, all that outside noise, especially at the quarterback position, as you had the crowd chanting, you know, for the backup quarterback last year. Now they're doing it again this year. So it's hard to kind of block that out. It's kind of like until you go out there and perform well or perform decently, you know, that that stuff doesn't quite go away. And it's hard because, you know, once you get in your own head, especially a quarterback, I, I never played quarterback, but so that's obviously the most scrutinized position in the in all of football, everybody's going to think they could have made a smarter decision to you. Everybody thinks they could go out there and make the throws, which is extremely hard to do. It looks – some people make it look a lot easier than what, you know, it really is. It's a difficult position to play. So, yeah, it's – once you once you get in your own head, it's, I know it's hard to, you know, kind of block out all that noise. It's like that movie <laughs> The Replacements when uh, Keanu Reeves' character, Shane Fl- – yeah, what's Falco. his name, Falco? Yeah. He says it's yeah. like quicksand. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just start. It just starts going. Like after you make one mistake, it it happens to you again. Oh, I did want to see this, James, before I let you go, because I'm watching the Saints on the other side, and it's not like obviously they didn't score 20 points in forever. Like their offense has not been good, and they got things going a little bit today. Although it's not like they were explosive, and they had a lot of short fields to work with. Their defense scored for them as well, but. One of the things, obviously, anytime you see the Saints play is we see Taysom Hill come into the game at times, and they obviously always have a package for Taysom Hill. And with the way that this offense is going right now, and you didn't get a spark from Bailey Zappi, who's more similar to Mac as a quarterback, right? Like traditional pocket type guy. I do wonder, like, do you think they should put in a package for Malik Cunningham going forward? I mean, it can't hurt. The offense isn't doing anything and maybe bringing in sort of the quarterback run game into the equation as well. Maybe that'll get the running game going. Like, I don't know. I thought in the preseason when we kept yeah, seeing him out there, yeah. like, he, and I know that it's preseason and all that, but remember like during training camp and stuff, like they were practicing stuff yeah. with Malik Cunningham. So I, I'm wondering if maybe they should, I, I don't think any idea is a bad idea right <laughs> yeah. now. Besides every third down, throwing it up yeah. to Devontae Parker yeah. down the sideline. I mean, I do think that would continue to be a bad idea. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I would give it a go. Like, might as well at this yeah, point. I mean, throw everything out there. <laughs> at this point, I think it's not a bad idea. But I know Bill Belichick's all about, you know, those roster spots on game that you got to be able to do more than one thing. He's not just going to, you know, have Malik out there just for, you know, the wildcat formation. He's going to have to be able to go out on special teams, which I think he – he probably can do. He could be a gunner. He could be on whatever punt return block and all that stuff. So if he's able to do that and contribute that way, then yes, I think it, it can be a factor. But yeah, there's going to have to be you know, some kind of shake up. They're going to have to find something unique to try and get a spark in this office. But I will say we've seen a lot less of the Taysom Hill stuff than in, in years past. I feel like he, he's not even out there like, yeah. as much as what we've seen in recent years, which is kind of kind of strange to see. Yeah. <laughs> And it's less effective. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Less I, I was watching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he yeah. never throws. He never throws, which is like, you just you should just play him for the run. I, it was funny. I was watching the uh, their first, the Monday night game they played against Carolina, and he was coming into the game. 
and Carolina was bringing in Andy Dalton on like third and one or like fourth and one for a quarterback sneak. So I'm like, I kind of feel bad for him. He's just going out there and he knows he's going to get hit and they're taking away like the number one pick. They're taking him off the field. Like that that, that kind of stinks. Like if, you, if you're the other guy, right? If, I mean, if you're Andy Dalton. Like, snap. Yeah, Andy, you're going to play like three plays. Don't fumble that snap. That's all. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, speaking of like finding things, that was actually yeah, a really good was, play yeah. that Mac threw the yeah, pitch away. Yeah, like they caught him. The, Ramondre had yeah. a lot of room to go, like the the fake yeah. tush push. That was actually a nice play, and they couldn't even yeah, execute that. Was that was good play design. I was going to say that, yeah. That was that was going to work. I don't know how far he would have gotten, but he had, had the crack block from Juju, had Gasecki getting out in front of him. That was a definitely a great play design. But, yeah, I think obviously either Ramondre was too fast, Mac was too slow. Like I said, just I – mean, obviously I don't know how many times they worked that, but I'm sure they worked on it quite a few times throughout the week. I'm sure it looked good, and it probably – if they would have got the pitch, it could have been a potential big play. That was that was the first drive after. Yeah, it was yeah, that was the first drive after halftime too, wasn't it? Pretty sure. Yeah, just yeah. yeah. And Mac had just completed a pass too. That that was a laser that <laughs> yeah. pitch through too. Yeah, man, it's tough. Well, laser yeah, and behind you got that behind you, that's a fumble every time. <laughs> All right, that is three-time Super Bowl champ James White. James, I know I've said it a lot this year. Hopefully, next time we're talking after a win. But who knows? Hopefully, you know what? I'm going to say this. Hopefully, after next time, we're talking about at least yeah, one touchdown. Yeah, score some points. Let's do that. Right. No turnovers. Let's. That, I think that should that be a goal. Forget forget points. Just don't turn the ball over. Let's let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff, James. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. All right, so this is an interesting Monday night game because I'm not super high on the Raiders or the Packers, even though I was before the season on the Packers, kind of lost some faith in them after that loss to the Lions in the Thursday night game. But how about this for plus 233, over 45 and a half points, because I do think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. Jimmy G for a touchdown pass, Jordan Love 200 passing yards, and Josh Jacobs anytime touchdown scorer. That's plus 233, over 45 and a half, Jimmy G a touchdown pass, Jordan Love 200 passing yards and Josh Jacobs' anytime touchdown score. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And FanDuel is now live in Kentucky. Download the app now and take advantage of their great special offers, boosts, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Pike and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Welcome back into Off the Pike. Great stuff as always from James White. Really enjoyed chatting with James. I think we threw out a couple of ideas. I'd like to see the Malik Cunningham experience a little bit in terms of, I'm not saying start the guy. I'm just saying, how about a package from Malik Cunningham? We got to be at least somewhat creative as it pertains to the offense and just an ugly game. And I, I really look at it in terms of this whole Mac versus Bailey Zappi thing. If Zappi actually looked good in any of the last two games, and I get it, it's garbage time either way, but he is going up against most of the Saints starters. If he showed you anything, Bill would be open to going to Zappi. But Bill did say after the game on Sunday that it wasn't Mac's fault, certainly not all his fault, that basically everybody, to paraphrase what Bill was saying, everybody was bad in this game. So Mac is going to be the starter going forward. But that doesn't mean that the organization has any confidence in Mac whatsoever. It's just Zappi had a really bad training camp. 
Zappi had a really bad preseason. They were willing to put Bailey Zappi on waivers. And when Zappi played in the game against the Saints, he was bad. I mean, he had some of the worst throws you'll see, just complete overthrows. And just piggybacking off something I was talking about with James about Mac Jones, I referenced the fact that he has one game in the last 11 with a passer rating north of 100. Think about this. 84.8 against the Bills, 75.3 against the Cardinals, 52.1 against the Raiders, 105.6 against the Bengals, that was the one game, 98.5 against the Dolphins, 75.3 against the Bills, 91.3 against the Eagles, 84.5 against the Dolphins, 85.6 against the Jets, 39.9 against the Cowboys, and then this one today, 30.5. It's really incredible to think about how bad he's been. It's really difficult to, in back-to-back games, have that stat line I mentioned with the back-to-back games with at least a pick six, with at least a lost fumble, and a passer rating south of 40. That is as bad as it can get for a quarterback in the NFL. And I've said on multiple occasions, like, I don't believe that Mac's the guy. I think that the Patriots next season, especially considering where this one is going right now, they're one and four. The Patriots should be drafting a quarterback in the first round. They need to restart this whole process. If you look at where the organization is at right now, it's not as if they're ready-made and if they just get a really good quarterback, they can win right away. That's not the case. This roster is not loaded. Like when the Rams traded for Stafford or when Brady went to the Bucs or now Aaron Rodgers, where obviously he's not playing because of the Achilles, but the Jets had a ready-made team. And maybe they had some flaws, like their offensive line was not great. Who you throw into the ball? Who you throwing the ball to outside of Garrett Wilson? I understand all those things, right? Like it wasn't, a perfect roster, but it's a much better roster than the roster the Patriots have right now. They're not in that spot to get the veteran guy. So I would just restart this thing. They have completely bundled the opportunity to build around a quarterback on a rookie contract. The roster, we went through that earlier this week with Andrew Callan. It's just bad. It's a bad, bad roster. Bottom line, it's it's not a good roster. There's not a lot of talent on it right now. So I would just reboot this whole program. And they had their run for 20 years. But it's not the same organization anymore. So I would reboot it. Unfortunately, I, th- I think that Mac, there's two things can be true at the same time. I don't think that Mac Jones is ever going to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. And I also do believe that the Patriots really screwed him in terms of trying to build around a young quarterback. And this is me acknowledging. I don't think it would have ever worked for him to be a guy that was going to be a 10-year starter in the NFL. But you could have had at least some success with him if you had a good offensive line, if you had legitimate weapons. And if you didn't have a guy calling plays last year that was a defensive coordinator, right? So they set Mac up to fail, but I also think that Mac was never the guy. So basically a perfect combination the Patriots have had over the past few years. But I did want to mention this real quickly about Bill. And I've gotten into this a little bit, what this team has been in the post-Tom Brady era, where he hasn't been able to find his quarterback. And if you look at the numbers now, Bill since Tom left, it's now 26 and 29. And this is not one year. This is not two years. This is three plus years for Belichick. That's a 473 winning percentage. And you look at some of these other guys that have coached in the NFL where you'd say, okay, they're not terrible coaches, but they're certainly not good coaches. And you wouldn't want them to be your head coach. Dave Wanstead, 485 winning percentage. That's better than Bill in this post Tom Brady stretch. Jack Del Rio, 497. Not a great coach. Nobody would say that. A fine coach. Rex Ryan, 480 winning percentage. Again, Bill, 473 in the post Brady era. Lovey Smith, who, yes, did bring the Bears to a Super Bowl, 479, Bill 473. And there's this whole idea of, well, yeah, he doesn't really have a good roster. Well, yeah, that's Bill's fault, too. Bill's the guy that put the roster together. So any way you slice it, Bill's been coaching like 
a below average coach for four years. At least the results he's getting are below average. And if you want to say, hey, nobody else could do what Bill's doing with this roster. Okay, but it's his roster. So that's where I just look at this thing. And I've brought it up before, but it's just, it's sad to watch it going this way. Like his team makes dumb turnovers. His team makes dumb mistakes. Even Jabril Peppers, who's a veteran guy. Why are you fair catching the ball at like the four? I, I don't understand what that is. Like, why would you do that? So I just, I look at this team and they haven't been a smart team. Their special teams over the past two years has basically been the worst in football. I mean, by DVOA, they're the worst special teams unit right now in the NFL. So that's a thing that the Patriots are always good at, the special teams area. They were always good situationally. We referenced third down, one for 14 today. You look at the Patriots in terms of just the red zone trips. They've had eight red zone trips this season. Eight of them, okay? Only two teams have had fewer entering week five. That was the Steelers and that was the Bengals. The Patriots are having games where they don't get into the red zone. Think about that. We're not even talking, last year we were talking about, hey, the red zone, the touchdown percentage in the red zone is so horrific. They don't even get there. They don't even get to the red zone at this particular point in time. They have nothing going for them. Offensively, we're five games into the season. And then defensively, now your two best players are out of the equation. We did see Miles Bryant get picked on a little bit. I don't think the defense was great in this game, but I don't even know really how to judge him at this point because they have no chance to win games anyway because the offense has been so bad and the offense continually puts them in bad situations. So unfortunately, the way it's going for Bill, it looks sad right now. And I do, at this point, I'm starting to believe that they're going to move on from the head coach and the quarterback after the season and just start this thing from scratch because I just feel like the advantage you always had with the coach was always there with Bill. Now, GMing is a lot more difficult, right, in terms of to constantly be good, consistently be good. Even the best GMs in any sport are going to have low points. But Bill's been at a low point for basically six years now. Now, in the past, when he had low points, he had at least enough good players because he had Tom Brady here, too, where that organization was elevated a little bit, right, where they were still winning the division every year. Now he doesn't have that part of the equation. So when he doesn't do well in terms of the GMing aspect of his job, and then the coaching is not going to be as good either, either because he doesn't have the personnel. So unfortunately, I think that Robert Kraft is going to be a really difficult decision because of all the success that Bill's brought him. But I think he's leaning in that direction. He talked about how important it is to him to get back to the postseason. And I do believe in a weird way, and I know this is going to sound sort of depressing to fans that want to see the Patriots back in the playoffs. I do think it may be a good thing that you're finding out that Mac's not the guy. Because what if he was like just decent this year? and you were a game below 500, didn't get into the postseason, maybe you consider bringing Mac back next season, at least now you're going to have an answer that he's not your guy and it's time to move on. It's a deep quarterback class. That's where I'd be at if I was in the Patriots situation right now. All right, we do have time for a couple of calls, so let's do that. The number is 617-396-7172. Who's up first? Brian, it's David from Kentucky. The Patriots. The past fall, uh, 34 to 0 to the New, the New Orleans Saints. And what was just, uh, an embarrassment to the game uh, of football. Um, man, uh, I could sit here and, and read you notes that I took during the game, but I'm sure yours say the same thing. It's a lot of wows and, uh, unbelievable here or there and just, a an overall just incredibly disappointing, uh, loss. During the broadcast, it was mentioned that the last time the, the, the Pats trailed by 20 points in consecutive games was week 11 and 12 of 1996. And just to give you a little frame of reference, uh, in November, this was November of, of 1996, it was the 10th and the 17th. Um, 
in November of 1996, Shaq and Kobe Bryant made their L.A. Lakers debut. Uh, Jerry Rice, uh, in week 10 of that season, so just a week before those two, uh, caught three passes for 45 yards and a touchdown to become the first player in NFL history to reach 1,000 uh, career receptions. So Jerry Rice was still playing football. Uh, the Spice Girls released their first album, Spice. Uh, Bill Clinton was reelected to be the 42nd United States president in November of, of 1996. Uh, Derek Jeter was voted unanimously the, the AL Rookie of the Year. Derek Jeter was a rookie. Uh, November 9th of, of that year, Mike Tyson is upset by Evander Holyfield in the 11th round, regained the heavyweight title. Uh, oh, and uh, the, the CFL MVP was, was Hamilton quarterback Doug Flutie. Uh, who, or excuse me, it was in Hamilton, Doug Flutie, who led the Toronto Argonauts to their 13th title, uh, to beat the, the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, so, uh, just to, to give you an idea, uh, November, uh, 10th, 17th of 1996, uh, I was literally like an embryonic human being. Uh, I was born in July of 1997. So it is fair to say that in, in my lifetime, the New England Patriots have never been this bad. So here's a question. Everybody's going to be mad at Mac. He sucked. Offensive line was horrible. Defense wasn't great. Special teams was horrible. Coaching was bad. I mean, not going for fourth down when when uh, you have an opportunity early and the game's still closed. I don't understand. A million things. Where do we go from here? Because, man, if it's just we, we hold out and hope that we lose uh, uh, until next year so that maybe we can get a decent quarterback, uh, that just that doesn't sit right, man. I mean, what where do we go from here, and, and what do we cheer for as fans uh, for for the remainder remainder of the season, when when I mean people like me, quite frankly, have never seen the Patriots this bad in my entire life. Love the show, uh, man. Can't 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 wait to talk Celtics and, and Bruins with you this year, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. All right, fantastic stuff. The, the research there is unbelievable. We got Shaq and Kobe making their debuts together. We got Derek Jeter. We got the Spice Girls. I mean, that was awesome stuff. Unbelievable job laying out all that information. And to your point, it does illustrate just how long it's been since the Patriots have been this bad. That was awesome. <laughs> that call was awesome. Also hilarious. Like, we're all upset that the Patriots lost, but that was hilarious. <laughs> what do you say? I was an embryonic being the last time the Patriots were that bad. Outstanding call. Hall of Fame level call right there. Okay. To answer your question, though, where do we go from here? So here's the thing, like Bill's not going to tank. He's not, he's not going to try to lose, but how many games can he win? We just seen what his team did. They lost 34 to nothing to the Saints after putting up three points against the Cowboys. They could have easily lost to the Jets. Like the, the last touchdown the Patriots scored with Pharaoh Brown is because they caught the defense. The Jets are like, whoa, Pharaoh Brown's up. There's no way he's going to go out for a pass. And that's how they did it. It was like, I don't want to say it was a trick play because it's like a play action play, but they definitely caught the Jets off guard, right? So where do we go from here? Well, I'll tell you, we're going to, we're going to watch. Uh, I don't know why I'm laughing because it's going to suck, but I'm trying to at least be somewhat happy here. We're going to watch a shitty product for the rest of the year. The coach, which this is kind of sad, he's going to try to win and he's not going to be able to win. So the Patriots, just by how bad of a job Bill Belichick has done, putting this team together, like the offensive line, which we knew was going to be a mess. I mean, you're picking up Fedarian Lowe. He's blocking Cam Jordan. We talked to James White about that because the line is a complete dumpster fire. The roster is so bad. It's in such a bad place. Bill is going to try to win with this group. It's sad, and you have no chance. You're not winning many games with this team. This team, Like, you may get lucky in a game or two. 
but I don't even know if you can create luck based on your offense. Like, how often are you going to be moving the ball? Like, the way that the Patriots are going to win games, it's going to be against teams that essentially don't have good offenses, like we saw with the Jets, where the defense can play up for a game. But right now, you have one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, and that's not unfair to say. Mac has been unequivocally horrendous. He's atrocious, really. It, the way that he's playing, it's almost disrespectful to the position. That's how bad Mac Jones is right now. It's really, quite frankly for him, it's embarrassing to watch. But even next week, and we'll see how the Raiders do in this Monday night game coming up. I don't think they can beat, I don't think they'll beat the Raiders. And maybe I'm going to look like an idiot for saying this, but the Raiders are going to score points. At least they can score points. They ha- They still have, at least for now, one of the best receivers in the NFL, if not the best, depending on how you kind of grade Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, who unfortunately I had Jefferson for 40 receiving yards, would have hit in a big parlay, but nonetheless, dealing with a hamstring in- injury in that game, none- I don't want to go into digression there, but it's basically Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. That's kind of like the group in terms of like the best receivers in the NFL. Cooper Cup's back, maybe you throw him into the group, but the point is, Devontae Adams is going to be out there. You don't have Christian Gonzalez, he's going to light you up. I know this. they did a good job last year, the Patriots did against Devontae Adams, but they also have Josh Jacobs, an elite running back. In the NFL, like I don't have any faith the Patriots can stop the Raiders. And I know the Raiders defense stinks, but I don't have confidence in that game. How could you? So what's going to happen, and this is the way they're going to get there is not the way Bill wants to do it. But because Bill's team is so bad and the personnel is so bad, the Patriots are going to have a good draft pick and they're going to have a chance to get one of these quarterbacks. Now, it's probably not going to be Caleb Williams with the number one pick because the Panthers are so bad. We'll see how many games they win. I mean, wouldn't be surprised, and I know maybe they win a game or two, but the Patriots are going to be in the running for like an elite quarterback. And now, like I said, probably not going to be Caleb Williams, but it could it be Drake May. I mean, Drake May's number two on everybody's board. You tell me, like, where are the automatic wins on the Patriots' schedule? I don't really see them. And the way that it's going right now from an offensive perspective, it wouldn't surprise me if they finished with one of the worst three records in the NFL. I think Carolina's a lock. Chicago, they won on Thursday night. I mean, their offense has actually looked decent the past couple of weeks, and I'm not saying Chicago is a good team, but I think the Patriots are definitely going to be heard from in terms of getting one of the best picks in the draft. And Bill, this is like, it, you know what's kind of bad about this is Bill's not trying to lose, but his roster is so bad that he's probably going to end up, he could, could have a chance in an elite quarterback because he's trying to win and he's just this, the team is just this fucking bad. It's really unbelievable to me. It's And I, it's like comedic in a way. It's unreal. Like they're actually, some teams like try to tank, right? Like when Peyton Manning was out for the year with the neck injury, the Colts basically tried to lose games, right? We see it in the NBA all the time. Philadelphia, the process, they tried to lose games. That that was their goal. They wanted to lose games. That's that's exactly what they wanted to do. When Theo Epstein went to the Cubs, he wanted to lose games so he could get great draft picks, build up the farm system. The Patriots aren't trying to tank, but the result may be a tank, which is actually like even more impressive, right? I mean, that's how bad of a job you've done putting your organization together in terms of the roster. All right, who's up next? Hey, Brian. It's Ray from California again. So if you remember, I called in after the Cowboys game saying that we should tank for next season. And now, after another disaster in the Saints game, I'm going to double down on that. Uh, At this point, obviously, there's no shot that we're making the playoffs. Uh, and even if the schedule lightens up, uh, I think you'll agree with me that in the long-term interest of this team, what's in our best interest is, is if we tank. 
And uh, I think we definitely should. We should try and tank and get one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. Um, and I also wanted to ask, do you think even Belichick even trusts Mac at this point? Uh, because with the way that they run their offense, uh, to me it's like I question if Belichick truly trusts Mac to be their quarterback. Um, so, yeah, that was my question. All right, so in terms of, I kind of just addressed this in terms of the trying to tank. You don't need to try. You're this bad. You're just going to lose games. Bill's going to try to win. He's going to lose. And so here's the schedule. You're at the Raiders next week. We addressed that one. (laughs) Then you're home for the Bills. And I know the Bills just lost to Jacksonville in London, but come on. The only game you've beat Josh Allen in recent history is the win game. The rest of these games, Josh Allen just lights up the Patriots. Then you're at Miami. That should go well against that offense. The Commanders. Now, the Commanders blow. Sam Howell, that dude is reckless. If you watch that Thursday night game, he's out of control. And by the way, like Eric Bieniemy gets all this like credit for the Chiefs. He called an awful game the other night. He didn't. He stopped running the ball. It was 8.49 left in the first quarter. Just he didn't have another designed run the rest of the game. So Howell is, he's bad. And look, he'll make some big plays. Like I, he's playing better than Mac, but he is completely reckless. Then the Colts, the Colts are like, they're competitive. They're in games. And now they have Taylor back. Taylor just signed an extension. Then you go to the the Giants. Now the Giants stink, but you also stink. So I'm not going to say that's automatic. Home for the Chargers. Chargers have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Go to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's going to have, and they picked up a big win against the Ravens. They're going to have playoff aspirations, you would still think at that point. Kansas City, <laughs> good fucking luck. That's on. Um, that's a Monday night game. That'll be great. The Patriots play Monday night football, trying for their second one of the season, or maybe third. Who knows at that point? Then you're at Denver. Denver stinks, but that's not a gimme. Oh, by the way, that is on Christmas Eve night. I mean, come on. We got to watch this game on Christmas Eve at 8.15. I mean, that is a joke. Nobody wants to watch that. But the Celtics are playing the next day. Celtics playing the Lakers the next day. Then you have at Buffalo on New Year's Eve. Uh, that should be fun to ring in the new year. And then you're home for the Jets. So it, you just look through the schedule. There's not a lot of winnable games there. And to answer your other point, so that's why I say, like, you can, we can all say this is a great thing. They Like, Belichick isn't trying to tank, but he's all, also is tanking when he's not trying to. You know what I mean? It's like he's unintentionally tanking because his team's so bad. It's just he did a horrible job putting his team. Like, his plan was never to tank, but the result is going to be tanking I agree that they should go out and he does he trust Mac no I mean he put Zappy into the last two games and secondarily I think you need to restart the rookie quarterback contract right in terms of well you have to make a decision on Mac's fifth year option who would pick that up nobody why would you pick that up it makes no sense whatsoever so from my perspective you should the roster is not good enough right now so you should just restart the whole thing and get a franchise level quarterback and look Say if you're at five or six, wherever it is, and we'll have a ton of these conversations down the road, and you're like, we really like Drake May. And Drake May is at number two, and say, hypothetically, whoever it is, the Bears already got their guy. Like, say they move off fields, but they have the number one or number two, whatever it is, however it works out. And you feel like, if we get to pick two, we got to get in front of whoever it is, Arizona, whoever the team is that wants the number two quarterback after Caleb Williams. Trade up. I would encourage you to trade up to number two. Like if you like that quarterback so much, trade up and get him because that's what this team needs. They need a franchise quarterback. They're probably going to have a new coach after the season. I heard a, a Bills podcast last week. He said 
the Chargers as a possible team. I said that a couple of weeks ago, too, on the pod, where I'm like, Chargers make a lot of sense for Bill because it's a ready-made winner with Herbert, and he doesn't have to pick the rot. Like, he's already got a good roster. It makes sense to him when it comes to that, but I think they're going to be done with Bill after the season, right? I mean, you have all this evidence that he can't put together a roster anymore. The team's not performing on the field at all. I really do think it's going to be it for Bill. I think this is going to be it for Mac, and I hope they get a franchise quarterback. I, can't, I don't want to watch another year of Mac. I don't want to play, watch Mac play next week. The dude stinks. He never has comebacks. He does not have a good arm. He's not athletic. He last year had horrible attitude issues. Like, why would I want to cheer for this guy? <laughs> I don't like cheering for him anymore. All right, coming up next, we got to change the attitude of the pod. We got to get into some positivity. We'll get into the Celtics. I have some preseason observations. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Welcome back into Off the Pike, and I did promise you I would talk about some positive stuff, and that's the Celtics, because I just wrapped up watching that first preseason game for the season. Not that you can take a ton away from preseason, but there are observations you can make. Like, first of all, I would have liked them to put out the maxi fire earlier on in this game, but I'm not getting picky about that. Overall, of course, the Celtics win this game over Philadelphia. You didn't have Embiid playing for Philly, and of course, you didn't have Harden playing for Philly. But all in all, I, I get a couple of takeaways from this game. First of all, I'm just glad basketball's back because <laughs> who knows how much longer the Patriots season is going to go, man. Like that, it's going to become a chore to watch that team play. So I am glad we have the Celtics playing. And the crowd was electric. It was at full capacity tonight for a preseason game when the Patriots played an afternoon game, a home afternoon game. And the garden is full for a Celtics preseason game, which is amazing. I think it tells you two things. A, where the Patriots are at right now, but B, how excited the city is for this team. And I can't remember a team that we had more hype about coming into the season, really. And now it didn't go well for this team, the 19 Celtics, right? The Kyrie team, when Kyrie was coming back healthy, there was a lot of anticipation for that team. And of course they didn't deliver. We all know the history with Kyrie. Also, that's when Kyrie kept saying, we're fine. Once we get to the playoffs, we're fine. It's like, yeah, Kyrie, we know you were good in the playoffs in Cleveland, a totally different group of players you're playing with. But anyway, I don't want to go into digression about that. But last year, there was a lot of hype, but then it kind of got stymied because of everything going on with Ime. And we're trying to figure out, wait, is Joe Mazzulla really going to be the head coach of that team? Like that whole situation. Is Joe the best guy for the job? Like that's how last season began is we were talking about the Ime situation. So this in terms of the hype, 
the most positive I can remember it in years, and rightfully so with the offseason moves that Brad made, bringing in Porzingis. I'll get to him in a second, and of course, Holiday. But where I want to start is with the guy that just signed a contract extension, PP, Peyton Pritchard, man. He was awesome in this game. He goes for 26, and he had four assists. He had six of his 11 threes. He had that big four-point play at the end of the first quarter. He had a wing three in transition. He hit a wide-open three from Tatum off a double, which this is what Peyton Pritchard's really good at. Like, he's really good at figuring out, okay, Jason Tatum's getting a double. He relocates because he's at the top of the key, so he sprints to the wing, and he gets a wide-open three. Peyton Pritchard is a really good shooter. I know the numbers were down last year. I'll get to that in a second. But he can shoot off movement. That's a skill. Like, certain guys can only shoot when they're standstill, right? Like, Grant Williams, I love Grant. This isn't like a shot at Grant, but I'm just telling you the player type. Grant can stand in the corner and hit a three. He can't come off a screen and hit a three. Peyton Pritchard can relocate and come off a screen and hit a three in those ways. So he just has more versatility to his jump shot than most guys have. And then he, Al, gets a rebound. Pritchard immediately sprints like to the hash mark almost, gets the outlet from Al, sprints up the court, dribbles hard, gets an and one for Brissett, who gets an easy opportunity at the bucket. That's what Pritchard can do. I always was surprised, and I think I mentioned this with Pina when we were doing that pod maybe a month and a half ago about who would be better, who would be worse. Like the Celtics numbers historically have been worse in terms of their pace with Pritchard on the court than off the court. And I think a lot of that has to do with who he's playing with. He's always kind of playing with a traditional big, but you saw him pushing the ball there in transition. And then later on in the game, when he took over the fourth quarter, he had that hard drive in transition, made it 101 to 99. And then he gets an and one. He goes right through Smart to give the C's a 102-101 lead. And then, man, at the end of the game, to ice it, to make it 112-106, he has Smart on him again. Double crossover through the legs, step back jumper and hits it like he made smart look stupid completely shook him and I was like whoa like obviously we knew that Pritchard was a good ball handler I didn't know he had that in him so I'm really excited about Pritchard by the way if you missed it Woj had the original reporting it's a four-year deal 30 million dollars so about seven and a half per season and the reason this is really important for the Celtics is this team's going to get awfully expensive going forward because of the whole second apron stuff Jason Tatum hasn't even signed his Supermax yet. Jalen Brown's Supermax doesn't kick into the following season. So the reason this is important is because you need to have some guys that are on cheap contracts going forward that produce. And Peyton Pritchard is going to be a solid backup guard. I think he may be good enough to be a third guard in a couple of years, maybe. And we'll see if if the shooting continues to go in the direction I think it's going to go in. He probably could, but he's Like, if you're looking at fourth guards in the NBA, he's one of the best fourth guards. He should have been playing last year. That's why it's weird. He had this trade demand, and I kind of understood it. Like, I wasn't mad at Pritchard for saying that stuff at the time. We talked about it on the pod. Now, should he have said it? Probably not, but I totally understood where he was coming from because he was good enough to get minutes for a good team in the NBA. And unfortunately, it's just because there was such a logjam at the position last year, he didn't have that opportunity. Now he does. But if you look at that number, so that's seven and a half per season. If you just compare him to other guards, the point guard type, the guy that runs offense, I'll put Brogdon in this category just because he would run the offense a lot of times when Tatum or Brown was off the court. So Brogdon as a backup makes 22.5. He's the 19th highest point guard. And Peyton Pritchard's going to make seven and a half per season. Kobe White for the Bulls, who Pritchard's, I take Pritchard over him. 32nd in the NBA in terms of his salary, in terms of point guards, 11.1. 
DeLon Wright's at 8.2, TJ McConnell's at 8.7. So you're going to have Pritchard under contract going forward as the salary cap is going up at 7.5. That's really good. It doesn't even kick in till next season. So this is just another good piece of business by Brad Stevens, who seems to get all these moves right. I mean, this is perfect to sign him to this contract. Really good piece of business by Brad Stevens to not let him eventually get to free agency. And just in terms of the shooting, he had the down year last year at 36.4%, and I've said from three, and I've said this on multiple occasions. I think that was more about, it's tough to be a consistent shooter when you don't play. It's like, oh, this is the third game in four nights, Pritchard, you're actually going to play in this game when he didn't play the previous two games or he barely played in the previous two games. So I think it's difficult to sort of build up that rhythm. And you look at his numbers two years ago, catch and shoot threes, 71 of 168, that's 42.3%. And then the pull-up threes two years ago, 29 of 74, 39.2%. That's where I talk about the versatility of the jump shot. He can hit the three off the bounce, or he can hit it coming off a screen or just as a standstill shooter. So I'm really excited to see what Pritchard can do this year. And I'm glad they locked him up because that's a good piece of business going forward. Okay. The most impressive, now Porzingis, obviously, I mean, Pritchard obviously had the most points, but the most impressive thing to me about tonight and why I'm really starting to get, I was already excited about the Celts, but one of the reasons I'm really excited about the Celtics is Porzingis. He did a lot of different things in this game and I thought he was flat out outstanding. If you go to the first Celtics basket, he gets a wing three. On that particular play, he's a spacer. And you're like, okay, I understand why they like having Porzingis out by the three-point line. Because he ends up getting a wide open three when he's basically, they sag off him a little bit and he's wide open, he hits a three. Like, you, you can't sag off him, he's going to hit that three. So he hits that one. Later on to make it 13-9, to nine, he sets a screen for Tatum. And then Tatum gets house on him. House recovers. And he goes by him and dunks. But the reason that Tatum gets the ball is or gets that advantage on House is because of the screen by Porzingis. So even though House recovered, it was too late where Tatum had an advantage in terms of the angle and could just overpower him. Then he screened for White, rolls, and White finds him. And he dunks over Reed. And I'm like, whoa, Porzingis got a little athletic ability in him when you're getting that. Like off the roll, one-handed dunk. That was really nice. He had a a verticality block on Reed. And if you look at it too, got to the free throw line a bunch in this game, 18th in free throws last year at 6.4, got to the free throw line eight times. A couple of other plays that stick out. I really like how, and I give Missoula credit for this, how he's working Jalen Brown off Porzingis a lot, which I think this is going to be really good for the Celtics. So Jalen comes off a pin down from Porzingis. Jalen gets doubled on the pin down. And this is what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, that the reads are going to be really easy for Jalen because Jalen, we know, is not the best passer in the world. But because Porzingis sets the screen, this play is right in front of him where Porzingis, uh, the Porzingis defender just stays with Jalen too. So Jalen can just see Porzingis is wide open, gets a wide open mid-ranger and hits that. He screens Derek White's defender. Derek White immediately sees the screen in terms of the angle of the screen and just flies by him, gets a layup. You can't recover when when the guard hits it that quickly. He gets a wide open opportunity. Now, obviously, the help defense not great from the Philadelphia 76ers there. Then he got a rebound, which starts a break. And eventually it comes back to him at the top of the key. So he gets the rebound right underneath the Celtics basket, immediately looks for the outlet and then sprints up the court. The ball goes into the corner. It goes from the corner out to Al Horford on the wing. And here it comes Porzingis. It's a wide open three. And then off the roll which this is a nice skill that Porzingis has. 
He's on the roll and he sees Derek White in the on the wing, gets a wide open three for Derek White. Now, Derek White missed that three, but the point is that's the right basketball play, getting him a wide open three. So 17, he had two of his three threes. I thought Porzingis was outstanding. I cannot wait to see what he opens up for this team. And I think the biggest thing to me is setting screens for Jalen off the ball. Because when Jalen gets the ball, when he has an advantage, he's really unstoppable. And that's what we saw in this game tonight. And as we mentioned, the reads get easier for Jalen, which is a major thing as well. So I, I love seeing, seeing Porzingis out there. And you can see the vision that Brad Stevens had. They used him as a spacer. They used him as a role man. He got the ball in the post at one point. It's just so many different ways you can use him. And I was impressed with him on the defensive end of the floor as well. Like I said, it's just a preseason game. But the big takeaway from this is you can see all the different things that Porzingis sort of brings to the table. So I was really encouraged by that, really excited to see it. Now, the starting lineup tonight, and I don't know if we should read too much into this, right, because it's the first preseason game. It was Alan Porzingis, and I've talked about this. I don't like having those two bigs in the lineup together to start the game, especially, I mean, Embiid's not playing. Now, we did see in the third quarter there, the Celtics went on a big run when they went to the lineup with only one big, and that big was Porzingis. And you had what should be the starting lineup of Derek White, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. At the point that Drew Holiday checks in, it's 70 to 64. And the Celtics just completely ratchet up defensively. The defensive effort wasn't totally there the entire game, and that's going to happen in the preseason. But immediately, like, you see these guys playing together. White gets a steal, leads to a Tatum bucket. Then Derek White strips Springs. He finds an outlet to Tatum. And then Tatum throws the ball right to Drew. So you have Derek White gets the strip. He sends the ball to Jason Tatum, who's kind of like at the hash mark there. Tatum gets the ball, sends it up to Drew Holiday, who's running on the right side of the floor. Drew Holiday gets the ball, immediately bounce backs to Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown dunks it. That's like perfection for this team. That's what you want to see, right? Because we know how athletic this team is. We know they can run. But when you have... The amount of good defenders they have on the court with that lineup, you're going to get so many easy buckets in transition. And then Drew deflected a pass. He finds Derek White. White finds Tatum. Tatum finds Jalen for a dunk. So it's like three plays where the defense turned into offense with that group together, especially like seeing Derek White and Drew Holiday on the court together, even though Holiday wasn't great in this game. And I'll get to that in a second here. Just seeing those guys on the court together. It's going to be something to watch. So and by the way, so they end up when they come out of the game for good. It's 79-76. So they went on what? That group together went on a 15-6 to run. And you can definitely see the potential of that lineup. That's by far their best lineup. Like, don't even mess around with this Al starting shit. But Al, actually, he looked good tonight. He got up and he had that block on Bamba where he came over and helped. And then he had the block on a three where he recovered to P.J. Tucker where he tried to, he helped out with the drive. It was Harris on the drive. He helped out with the drive. And then he sprinted out to the three-point line and blocked Tucker. I'm like, all right, Al, I like it, man. You look good. You're in shape. Let's conserve some of that energy for the regular season. Because Al, it's all about the minutes with Al. Let's be careful about these minutes. But he looked good. He looked springy. All right, then what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. There was an interesting unit that they had in the first quarter. So it was briefly Jalen, then Jalen came out of the game, which is an interesting lineup. And I'm wondering to see if this is actually, and I think it will be a lineup they use during the regular season. So it's when most of the starters are out of the game. So it's Jason Tatum and Drew Holiday. In the case of tonight, Drew Holiday didn't start. So Tatum and Holiday surrounded by Cornette, Hauser, and Peyton Pritchard. That's an interesting lineup to me, right? Because what it basically is, is you have one screener in Holiday and you have four shooters in Holiday, <laughs> Tatum, 
Pritchard, and Hauser. And you have two guys, or three guys, I should say, that can handle the basketball and make plays. So you have Tatum, you have Holiday, and you have Peyton Pritchard. Like, that's a, re- that's a really interesting lineup that I want to see more of going forward, especially when you have Jalen Brown and Derek White and Al Horford, those guys out of the game. Tatum, Drew Holiday, and the three bench players. That was a really interesting lineup, and I think it has a lot of potential. So I like that Joe rolled out that lineup. Another thing that jumped out to me, how about this? We talked about Joe Mazzulla's comments last week where he said they need to get to the free throw line more. And look, part of this is preseason because teams foul a lot. The Celtics took 34 free throws in the game. 34. On the season last year, we told you the number was 21.6. That's 28th in the NBA last year. The Lakers led the league at 26.6. Again, the Celtics took 34. They were allergic to the charity stripe last year and they took 34 free throws tonight. You love to see stuff like that. And by the way, Tatum's the main reason for that. So Tatum, he went through house for an and one, missed the free throw. But all in all, Tatum, if you go back to last year, 8.4 free throws per game. That was ninth in the NBA. He took nine tonight. So even though he didn't shoot the ball well, just three of 13, 0 of 4 from deep, he did have five assists and 10 boards at his 27 minutes. The play that I talked about where Pritchard got the three, just a great find from Tatum when he took on the double team. The thing that I noticed about Tatum tonight is you could tell that he knows how strong he is now. Like he's using his body to an advantage. He just looked like a guy that was stronger than most people on the court. So like I said, he found Pritchard after he he basically big boyed Oubre into the lane and that forced the help of Tucker. It forced the double. That's why he got that easy play to find Peyton Pritchard. And then he drove on Danny Green. He missed the layup, but then he just overpowers two guys. He gets the rebound. He gets a put back. Then he backed in Harris, gets a foul, and this is a really crafty play that Tatum started to use this a little bit last year, and I actually asked Drew Hanlon about this when we had him on, but I didn't want him to reveal all the tricks of Jason Tatum, but he did the James Harden thing. So he backs in Harris, and then once he has an advantage, he holds the ball out, and he's so strong, he's not going to get stripped. So what happens when you hold the ball out like that? You tempt the defender, Harris hits him on the arm, he gets to the free throw line. Then he, so that's just a really heady play, and that's using your strength too. He had a nice spin around House, overpowered him, and then he drove by House, got to the free throw line. He did get blocked by Springer, by the way, at the cup, which that was kind of embarrassing for Tatum. But all in all, I thought the big thing that jumped out to me about Tatum was just you could see that he's really using his physicality. I think his body has finally matured to the point where he's like, I mean, for lack of a better term, he's like a fully grown man. He's enormous in terms of the muscle mass that he's put on, and he's just overpowering defenders. You get to a certain point in your career where it's kind of who you are as a player in terms of the weight you're going to play at. And I think that's what we saw with Tatum in this game. Like I said, it's one preseason game, but you could tell he's just like, oh, if I want to get to the basket, I can just overpower guys. And (laughs) that's a really good thing to have on your team. Jalen, I thought Jalen was outstanding, by the way. So I mentioned Porzingis set a pin down for him, has the nice pass, which you don't often see from Jalen, really nice pass. He came off another pin down from Porzingis, got to the line. I love this whole Porzingis sent pin down screens for Jalen. Like, this is something you can press this button a lot during the season. And then he came off another screen, powers by Danny Green, and he hits a short little mid-ranger, right? So he got into the lane after he came off that pin down. He's got Danny Green on him, and he just kind of moves Danny Green. He gets an easy little, kind of like a fadeaway little jump shot, but that's just the strength of Jalen Brown. He goes by right by Springer, gets to the line. He had... A layup, a wide open layup off a Porzingis screen. And I know people don't like this because it's kind of like a nerdy thing, but I want to see how many screen assists Porzingis averages this year because 
these screens that he's setting, guys are getting either direct lines to the basket or like in the case of Jalen, he's getting easy opportunities off of pin downs. Another thing I liked about Jalen, he took two threes in the game. And one of them was a wide open transition three where it's like, you got to take that if it's a wide open transition three. This is the thing I've been saying, like Jalen Brown does not need to be taking a ton of threes like he did last year where he's over seven per game. And by the way, got to the free throw line five times. He hit seven of his 10 shots. And seven of the 10 shots were in the paint. He hit six of his seven shots in the paint. That's where Jalen Brown should be living. We told you the guy was dominant in the paint after the All-Star break. So you love to see that from Jalen Brown. And you love to see him running the, the floor too. Like when that unit was together that I mentioned in the third quarter, he got two easy transition buckets. And if you look at him last season, 1.25 points per possession in transition, that was ahead of LeBron at 1.22. And LeBron is like the best transition player in the history of the NBA. Now, I know he's not the same guy anymore, but the point being, Jalen, 395 transition possessions, LeBron, 375. So it's similar in terms of the volume, and Jalen was more efficient. You look at fast break points last year, post-All-Star break, Jalen was number one in the league at 6.3. Desmond Bain was second at 5.6. So he's the only guy over six last year. And that's definitely going to pop up even more this season, considering the guys that he's playing with. All right, Drew Holiday obviously did not shoot the ball well. He went just two of 10. He did get a step back where I thought that was a nice move where he got the big guy switch on him, did hit a step back three. So Holiday overall, I thought it was weird that he's, I get it. It's like he just got here, Al's here. So you're going to start Al, I guess, in the first preseason game. I'd like him to be in the starting lineup. I thought that group was dominant when they were out there together. And I thought that Holiday, despite the shot not going in and not scoring really in this game, I thought you could see his impact, especially when him and Derek White were out there on the defensive end of the floor. And then Joe Mazzula, man, he coached like it was a regular season game. How about this? So right before halftime, an observation I had. It's like 11 seconds left. I forget who was at the free throw line. I think it was Jalen. But anyway, he called a timeout at the end of the at the end of the second quarter there when the Celtics are at the free throw line. Or didn't call a timeout, I should say. He made a substitution. So at the time, Porzingis was the lone big out there. Joe Mazzulla knows that at that point, when there's only 11 seconds left, when by the time Philly gets into their stuff, it's you're going to switch everything, right? So they're going to be looking for a mismatch, try to get a screen in transition, something like that. So he puts Al onto the floor at the end of the second quarter because that's something he would do during the regular season, right? So you're thinking about, he's already thinking about this stuff during the preseason. Like, hey, I got to get Al out there because now if we get Porzingis off the court, we can switch everything, which makes our defense better. So I really like that by Joe. And the other thing I would say is he challenged the Stevens dunk at the end of the game, which... Could have been an and one, I thought. They called him for over the back, which is like, who the fuck calls over the back? Just, I mean, the guy literally like almost jumped over a dude. Lamar Stevens did and got a dunk. So I like the fact that Joe, at the end of the game, he's making challenge plays and the crowd was like into it. But I thought Joe Coates, like this is a regular season game, despite obviously he didn't have his guys play north of 30 minutes. I thought the crowd was awesome. I mentioned that. I think these guys, you could tell they really like playing with each other. I thought there was a really good energy. It's going to be interesting to see who gets the minutes on the wing line. Hauser's obviously going to get minutes, but we saw a little bit of Lamar Stevens. I said he had that. He had a nice dunk. We didn't see Jordan Walsh. Now, the Celtics do play again on Monday against the Knicks, so maybe we'll see Walsh in that game. Brissett, it was actually Brissett. That's what I should say. It was Brissett who had the over-the-back dunk. But Brissett, 
He's looked springy. He got a lot of minutes tonight, and Lamar Stevens didn't get a ton of minutes. But you got a lot of athletic wings now that you could play in terms of guys that'll run the court and play defense. So I really like the effort that all those guys play with, and I'm really interested to see how that wing line sort of shakes out after, of course, Tatum Brown. And feels like Hauser's definitely in for a big-time rotation minutes this year. But after him, like, who are going to be the guys that get minutes? Because <laughs> there's not a lot of spots in terms of where you're going to get the minutes from. So definitely a nice start to the season for the, the preseason for the Celtics and a lot of fun, especially like after watching the Patriots play earlier in the day. It was a lot of fun watching the Celtics. But my number one takeaway, obviously Pritchard was awesome. Poor Zingas, man. He is going to open up so much stuff. You can see the vision. You can see exactly why Brad Stevens wanted him here and why he's going to fit with this team. And the thing that sticks out to me, and actually J.J. Redick mentioned this on the broadcast, we talk about like Tatum or Jalen. Can they make guys better? Porzingis makes you better. I mean, he may, you could already see it in the first game he played with Jalen Brown. Life was so easy for Jalen. Oh, I'm going to come off a pin down. Every time you get an advantage when you come off a pin down like that. And you're putting the defense in a bind because, hey, or wait, hold on. Should I get, should I get off and try to help out or should I stay with Porzingis? What am I doing? Either way, like you're kind of screwed. So I love that. I think they're going to dig into that a ton, the pin downs for Jalen from Porzingis. All right. So a lot of fun. Celts, a lot of fun. Patriots, not so much. All right, as always, make sure to get your voicemails in 617-396-7172. Email your thoughts and questions to offthebike at gmail.com. Thanks to Jamie McClellan and Steve Srudy for producing this podcast, and we'll talk in a couple of days. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1800gambler.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.